miss this shot. You're not just letting me down, you're letting your whole team down too. Hello and welcome to A Conversation With, the place where I have a conversation with someone that I'm a fan of and find out more about their story. So tonight I have with me podcaster, screenwriter and general human being, Carlos. Thank you for joining me and how are you? Uh, I'm great. I am generally a human being, so that's uh, that's correct. I suspected that you was. I mean, I wasn't a hundred percent sure, but I mean, just well, generally, specifically, maybe not, but generally, yeah, broad strokes. I'm human. I well, I've heard your voice for hours upon hours on end, and it's uh, reassuring to see that you are, you know, actually a human, not just like a, you know, computer program or something. Uh, I mean, how does that feel to know that random people from like across the planet have like, you know, I've mowed my lawn listening to you. I've, you know, cleaned the house, uh, you know, done general chores, walked the dog. I mean, how that must be quite a surreal thing, right? It's uh, when we first started the show, we banked a few episodes and um, we were always joking that we're just yelling into the void and no one's ever going to listen to this and who's ever going to even find it. And then we started getting emails from Australia, the UK, uh, there was definitely like a, a Arab Emirates and we we're just like, how, how is anyone finding this show? And it was, so it became very strange where suddenly we were all very cognizant of the fact that people in other parts of the world were listening to what we had to say about, you know, Howard the duck, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's important. So it's very surreal to answer the question. <laughs> Well, for people that don't know, so you were part of the Hey Do You Remember podcast that ran from 2013 to earlier this year in 2021 uh, and had way over 100 episodes. I mean, do do you know how many it was? Uh, I'm not sure if this is counting the little bonus episodes, but we got very close to 200. It was like 196 or something like that. We were so close to 200 and uh, we had already made the decision to tell everyone we were ending the show. And we're like, well, we, we can't just keep it going just to hit 200. So let's just, we'll call it. I, I want to say it was 196 or 197. Wow. I mean, that's incredible. That's so impressive. And I mean, and like you said, you had bonus content. And these episodes of Hey, Do You Remember recovering your favorite 80s and 90s movies? And quite simply and honestly, it is my personal favorite podcast of all time Uh, I've listened to some of the episodes like I've probably listened to your little giants episode about eight times and that's 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 one of my favorite episodes it's the best I mean the thing is is I love that movie so much I mean we actually had uh Shauna Waldron who played Icebox and Todd Bosley who played Jake uh from the little giants on our podcast it was so funny because I'd already heard your podcast by that point um so then they were telling stories about Yamosh Kaninsky that was like the uh, cinematographer and all I could think about was like your jokes and riffs about that because because he had just been like the movie prior to Little Giants was Schindler's List so it was just like this we that was like we heard that little pearl of of trivia from Chris early on in the episode and it just colored everything else we had to say because it's like the guy who shot Schindler's List made Little Giants like this. <laughs> and so, yeah, the, the running joke for that episode was just that this was like the studio giving him one, like, just take it easy, man. Just shoot this little this little children's football movie. <laughs> I loved it. Well, and it was funny because Todd in, in that episode was saying that 
he was the nicest guy and he was really funny. And there was like a, a deleted scene in the movie where uh, one of the characters was climbing like a gym rope. And as he was j- climbing the gym rope, he, he got a- an erection. And that's oh, no. uh, um, probably why it got cut out of the movie. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he uh, Todd's line to him was, think of your grandmother, Tad. And um, like, you know, to <laughs> you know, lose his, you know, erection and uh and apparently Janos found that so funny that every time he saw Todd on set afterwards he would just shout at him and say think of your grandmother Tad oh, and, wow. uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is one of my favorites I was also a fan of our show like as as much as I was a part of it I thought I could listen to the conversations and it was like I was listening to it again for the first time um and yeah the Little Giants episode is one of my favorites because it was just that it was like a magical kind of chemistry thing where the jokes I think hit and it was just such a funny uh, concept that the cinematographer from Schindler's List also shot Little Giants. And and it's also just kind of like, you know, it's a semi-ridiculous movie. So it, it works. Um, but also the movie had so much heart that we couldn't, we weren't dumping on it. It wasn't like it was a bad movie. We We were actually pretty surprised with how much heart it had and and how much you know it how well it did hold up from you know when when we were kids because part of the 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 dynamic of the show that I think comes across in in titles like that those mid-90s kind of kids movies where if you're a tween it's not cool anymore um that's where our age discrepancy really came out because I was the baby of the group by about two years. And so there is that that line where it's like, well, I was nine and you were 11. So for you, this wasn't cool anymore. But for me, this was right in my wheelhouse. And Little Giants was kind of one of those like borderline episodes where, or borderline titles, uh, where for me, it was just a movie I watched when I was a kid. And for them, it was like, yeah, I was a little too old for Little Giants. Yeah, yeah, that that makes perfect sense. So the balance of your podcast it was it was you it was donna and it was chris and you worked as a trio of hosts and sort of mixed in personal nostalgic stories uh, and memories in with analysis and then sort of like a current day perspective of these movies to see how it held up uh, so anyone that hasn't heard of hey do you remember i'll put the links in the description uh, but you must it's a game changer the back catalog is huge as we just said what i always what and continue to respect about it is that each episode can live forever if that makes sense like there's a lot of like Mm. pop culture podcasts that they're only current for that moment of time where your podcast you could listen to that in 20 years and the perspective is like all of the research that was done on it and everything it's like a complete fulfilled package does that make sense i think that does make sense um we also yeah we stayed away from references to i mean near the end it got a little rough but references to say like politics or you know even like world events um outside of the political sphere and it does keep some of those that most of those episodes pretty timeless there were a few in the last few years where you lived in america and there was just sort of this (laughs) elephant in the room over everything and so that that did kind of seep in near the end but it never got overtly political um And yeah, I think that because we were talking about things, our rule was always 15 years or older from the date that we were recording. So um, we were talking about things that were already dated 
and therefore they became timeless, if that makes sense. Because, you know, an old movie is an old movie. It doesn't matter if it's 15 or 25 years. Yeah, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um, And your podcast, it went on to become one of the, the biggest and, you know, most fan favorite movie podcasts out there and created, you know, a cult following. Uh, and this was all done without any advertising or promotion just through word of mouth I mean this was sort of revealed I guess uh, to me anyway on your final episode which is absolutely crazy like as in like I uh, from being within the podcast universe I guess so to speak I just see how hard people push on the promotion of podcasts and they don't get anywhere near to how uh, successful yours was I mean that just must add even more of a sense of uh accomplishment you know that you were able to do that without having to aggressively like push it forward uh, i'm so proud of how that show grew organically um we never like you know paid for likes or you know some of the little tricks of, of social media gaming um we just sort of put this product out there and word of mouth took over and like the closest thing we ever did to um advertising was i mean this is going back to 2013 i would go on imdb to their message boards when they still had message boards and let's say little giants for instance i would go to the little giants page and just be like hey we have a podcast we're talking about little giants you know come check us out and you know i i didn't think maybe we'd get 20 listeners from that or something but it was actually surprising how many people said i was on blah 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 you know i was on the the net uh, IMDb page and I saw your your comment and and that's how I found the show and we're like I can't believe how successful that was how many times we heard that because I only did it a few I mean maybe 10 titles if that and uh, and then IMDb pulled their message board so that was kind of well there goes that stream of, of uh, free advertising for us but yeah I, I was uh, always very proud of how word of mouth is how the show grew and nothing more than tagging things maybe on Twitter. And like I said, the IMDb message boards, we never needed to advertise. And we, we did pick up a following. I wouldn't say it was, you know, we're not Mark Marin or anything, but it was, you know, it was, it, it did have a, a pretty sizable community to the point where it, there became points where it's like, I, I'm seeing names on the Facebook page or, uh, you know, responding to us on Twitter that I do not recognize, you know, because when you start a podcast, there's always like that, that, that beginning kind of community of like, you know, maybe a hundred people that you, you see, you're like, okay, I know, oh, that's the guy who's super into this title and always wants to talk about it. But once you get to where I was like, I don't know who you are. I don't know. I, I know nothing about you that I always thought that that was a very cool feeling of like, wow, we're reaching we're getting out there, you know, nine, 10 degrees out now where I don't know anybody who's talking. That's crazy. Yeah, it's awesome. And, and it shows more to the point of the quality of what you're producing that uh, people became the advocates for you, like on your behalf, like telling other people. And I mean, I feel that way as well. Like I've told several people that, hey, oh, you should listen to this podcast. It's amazing. I mean, I, I actually found your podcast by just um, typing in, like the mighty ducks into the, I mean, it's 
it's probably quite evident from my backdrop that I'm a Mighty <laughs> Ducks fan. Um, and I just typed it into iTunes or into the podcast app on, on my phone and, and yours came up and I just clicked on, I think it was the Mighty Ducks 2 maybe, and yeah. um, just enjoyed your sort of commentary on it. And then I was like, okay, I'm in and just went through like the whole back catalogue to the point that I watched films specific. Once I'd gone through every film that I'd already seen, which was a lot of them, I was like, okay, well, I want to listen to these other episodes, but I haven't seen the movie. So I would specifically buy the movie to watch it just to listen to the podcast episode. Um, And there's some crazy films that I watched because of that, that I'd never heard of. Like uh, the one, I forget what it's called. The one where Jim Carrey's like a vampire. Oh, Once Bitten. That's it. Yeah. (laughs) That movie is nuts. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And the one with, um, uh, is it the never ending story where the horse like drowns or whatever? The horse in the mud. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Th- thanks for that heartache. <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember seeing that movie. I mean, being traumatized as a kid, not to do a little mini, Hey, do you remember? But I remember that. And she'd be like, wait, is that horse okay? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. So the the show the show ends just, like just a couple of months ago. I mean, have have you felt like a void since it's ended? I know it's only been a been a few months, or has it been like quite a welcome break to not have to you know worry about recording and scheduling and all that sort of stuff? Well, I think I think the answer to both questions is yes um, to both both sides of that. It, it does feel weird to not be making that show anymore because it was that was the longest project. I've ever worked on on anything. I mean, the only institution in my life longer than than that is my marriage. You know, like I've never worked a job at the same place for that long. You know, let alone um, a, a hobby. You know, so um, it does feel strange to not have that anymore. Um, at the same time, I, I I said this on our final episode. Like, I just kind of feel like we did it. We we it got to a point where we were doing titles uh even though it was a, a movie we had never discussed before there are only so many ways to point out the same uh mistakes trends what have you this you know and, and there are only so many actors so you're seeing the same actors coming up the antidote the anecdotes start to repeat themselves and so it got to a point where we weren't surprising each other anymore and so it wasn't you know, acrimonious. We, we still, you know, love each other. We're, we're three friends and always will be, but um, it just got to a point where the things we were saying to each other weren't surprising and it wasn't new. We weren't going to have if, you know, many more little giants episodes (laughs) ahead of us. So, so for us, it was just sort of like, I think it's just time to call it. I think, you know, we, we did it and, and this was great. And it went on longer than we thought it would. I mean, when, when the show started, one of us once made a reference to something we'll be covering in seven years. And, and Chris, or it might have been me, just kind of laughed. It's like, if we're still doing this show in seven years, something has gone really wrong. And, you know, was, we had a chuckle. And then here we are eight years later, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I think uh, I, I, miss, I miss the show. But I think had we gone on much longer, it would have been more of a chore than a hobby and so i think we got out at exactly the right time yeah that makes sense i mean all good things come to an end all songs must finish you know and so (laughs) (laughs) as much as we died a hero rather than 
living long enough to become a villain. I forget how that line goes. It's that's it. It's kind that of, works. Yeah, it's close enough. Yeah, that works. Well, I mean, and the thing is, is the back catalog is is there forever, and that is so true. I mean, there's nothing worse than watching, you know, or something that you're such a fan of and then seeing it dilute and the quality go um you know we've all seen it with eminem over the years if we wish he would have just hung it up but you know <laughs> we're still here so um what's gonna happen with you now like in terms of your podcasting like is you hanging up the mic so to speak or will you be doing podcasting in in some other format so actually, um, the last year, at the end of last year, I, uh, this is going to be kind of a whining story, but at the end of last year, I was on Twitter where I live and <laughs> I was having a discussion about the electoral college. I don't even know if this is a thing, if people understand what this is outside of the United States, but the, the way that we have like red states and blue states and we elect a president and mm-hmm. us, uh, bigger states have more votes toward who becomes president. It's not a direct democracy. It's a very convoluted and stupid system. But I digress. I was having this, this conversation um, and a, a discussion and a disagreement with someone online about the Electoral College, but it was completely polite and it never got you know toxic. And so I actually like went out of my way to like text, you know, uh, tweet at him and say, hey, that was like, a pleasant disagreement, which I've never had on Twitter. And we got to talking and it turns out his name is Mike. He has a podcast and it's called the racial draft podcast. And what it is, is uh, it's a fantasy sports style draft, like a fantasy football draft or a fantasy baseball draft. Um, but it's with comic book characters from Marvel and DC and Every team in the in the draft represents a different racial group. So, for instance, the Latino team, the white team, the Jewish team, the black team, and the characters they draft, they reimagine as part of that racial group. Right. So, for instance, uh, the Latino team drafted Black Panther. Well, how does that work? They reimagined Wakanda as being like the uh, the city, the lost city of El Dorado. And so it was this kind of like technologically advanced city of gold that they created. And so they, you know, you create new mythologies and it, I, I listened to his podcast, the whole first season of it in like a week. And I texted him and I said, um, I need to be on this podcast. Like I, <laughs> I need it. I, this is like so many nerd things converging for me at once. And so from November on, I was also sometimes appearing on his show on the racial draft podcast. And now I'm, I'm moving on to, uh, I moved on from Hey, Do You Remember? And I'm kind of like this unofficial um, frequent guest on the Racial Draft podcast. And I'm part of the Latino delegation. And actually we just won our season, but yeah, that's what I'm working on now. And I'm, I'm having so much fun because it's a brand new show that needs, that needs to be built. And so I, I have this experience, but okay, let's, let's build this up. Cause I believe in the project. I think it's, um, really kind of brilliant. Like there's, there's this guy from the Polynesian team who drafts um, characters and then he incorporates in their backstories. Like for instance, Storm, he drafted Storm and he tweeted out like the the backstory that he had written that is heavily rooted in um, different, like Polynesian. I'm not exactly sure which group and I don't want to get that wrong, but a a group uh, of Polynesian myths that he rooted Storm in, and it's beautiful and it's amazing. And I would read that comic 
And so it, it, it is very exciting to learn about different cultures through this lens. And so uh, that's what I've been doing since Haiti Remember. Um, and it doesn't require me to watch movies, uh, <laughs> you know, to, and, and take notes. It's just more of like, oh yeah, we think Batman is going to score a lot of points. And here's how we would do a Puerto Rican Batman or, you know, a Guatemalan Electra, you know, things like that. So um, that's, I'm not giving up on podcasting. I am not the host of this podcast, but I am a frequent guest on the podcast. And I am hopefully bringing some of my learned expertise um, to growing that show over the next couple, you know, months or years. That's awesome. Cool. Well, I'll, I'll find it and I'll put the the link in the description Great. for that as well, because I'm sure people uh, will, you know, will want to get involved in that. So that's that's awesome. I mean, the other thing that, um, if it's okay to touch on, is that you mentioned throughout the run of Hey, do you remember that you you know do screen screenwriting? Is that mm-hmm. something that that you're still pursuing? Is that something because you went to school for that, right? I did. I went to school for screenwriting, so of course I got a job at Starbucks afterwards. Um, <laughs> that's how that works. Uh, pursuing, I wouldn't say I'm pursuing now. Um, it is something that I I wanted to do very much. Still would love to do. Um, it's on a bucket list. I want to write a movie that gets made. That that's that's on my list. Um, I got close. Uh, this would have been God. It's twelve years ago now, um, and it was right before I had my kids. And so now kids and their lives, and it's really hard to write screenplays, mm-hmm. um, especially if you're not an established screenwriter and you need to do other things to make money. Um, I haven't written a full screenplay in a long time, but I have so many ideas and uh, I think they're great ideas. Um, Two very good ideas. I'm not going to lie. Some of them are not great, but uh, I would like to develop them in, in any form. Really. I'm thinking more about comic books or graphic novel uh, style stories or screenplays or short stories um any any way those ideas can get out what's the best medium for them but i yeah i would not say that i'm pursuing screenwriting at the moment yeah that makes sense but i mean yeah. you know if guess if the the opportunity comes i mean i mean that i would sort of try and hope and imagine one day you know spielberg listens to hey do you remember and he's like you know what i like the sound of this guy and he just contacts <laughs> you i mean that's always a possibility that's the sort of world oh, i like me, in, in my mind yes hey steve if you're listening i'm i'm here <laughs> links are below steve get involved <laughs> i just highlighted some of my favorite hey do you remember episodes just for people that you know that 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 know me and you know potentially feel like they might have similar tastes uh these are some of the ones that i would recommend that people start with if they're not already a fan uh the little giants one uh, mighty ducks one and two Good Burger was a hilarious episode. Love that. Again, one. a surprising movie. We were like, I really liked this, and I didn't expect to, as a grown person, like Good Burger. <laughs> but it's George Clinton shows up. It's so good. I, I think I was a little less surprised, but I think I'm maybe a little bit, uh, a little bit younger uh, than you. Um, maybe right. don't by a year or two. So I think maybe some of the ones that you were covering probably hit me even more in that sweet spot of like nostalgic right. childhood. Um, and then there were some that, that, like I said, I, I never saw, um, that 
were you know slightly before my time but good burger was definitely like keenan and kel was my jam like (laughs) i i actually told this on the podcast the other day uh there was always there were rumors going around you know that like like mccauley colkin is dead and things like that that's gone around forever there was a rumor once that kel from keenan and kel had died and this is when i was like 10 years old and i was so like bereaved and grieving that i took a day off from school (laughs) and then found out the next day that it was just a rumor and he was fine so god bless you cal but (laughs) i mean i i grew up on all that even before keenan and kel i grew up on all that and that was i i tell the story a lot on the podcast where i would stay up very late at night and watch nick at night nickelodeon in the 80s and 90s was my jams. I loved it. And on Saturdays, they would run old episodes of old SNL. And I loved Saturday Night Live even before I was too young to even really understand the jokes. Um, So then when all that happened on SNCC, Mm -hmm. it's like, wait, this is SNL, but for kids. And, And it felt like I could be on that show. Like, oh, those kids, I mean, those kids look like the kids I'm in school with. Like I, I could easily be a member of this cast. And so that living vicariously, that sort of fantasy fulfillment of a child making a comedy show on television. Yeah. Keenan and Keller icons. Yeah, for sure. Always now and forever. Um, yeah. Speed is a great one as well. I love, <laughs> love that one. Die hard face off cool runnings, uh, the Jurassic park episode all, all of them, every single film that I already knew was just like, I love it. It was just perfect to me. And then even some of the ones where I would go out of my way to watch the film for the first time, like I loved that as well. Like I can, I know this sounds like I, I'm just saying it, but sincerely, there's not an episode that I've listened to and ever thought, oh no, that that episode sucked. Um, there are oh, episodes wow. that I particularly listen to i've listened to a few different times uh, like multiple times because i think they're especially films that i'm like particularly nostalgic about like the mighty ducks and whatever um but but i have a list of a couple episodes that i wish you, you had done and i'm sure that so many people have said this to you over the years but not not as many people have got to speak to you in person so you know <laughs> <laughs> so i'm gonna take advantage of that so if i name the movie can you give me just your initial reaction of what your memories were or just what you think of that movie or if you've ever even seen it and if you think it would have made like a good episode on Hey, Do You Remember? All right, let's hope that I've seen these movies. Here we go. Okay, the first one that would have been number one on my bucket list uh, was Free Ninjas. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, no. Um, That's one of the ones that we always talked about doing and it was either three ninjas or surf ninjas um which kind of were the same era uh i i i mean i remember seeing that movie in theaters i i definitely uh connected to that movie and then i remember the kids from that movie going on to be like teen heartthrobs like my my female cousins had like tiger beat magazine uh pictures of like uh colt it was specifically colt and it might have been rocky not tum tum so much but um <laughs> but yeah no i oh, loved tum-tum. i loved three ninjas i loved the 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 bad guy with the ponytail he was just like Neither. 80s bad guy <laughs> he disappeared <laughs> from the world um he's he's got two credits on his imdb one is as an extra and then the other one is as the antagonist in three ninjas 
and that's it. They're like he is, he is nowhere to be found. Like I've tr- specifically tried to find him because we had wow. Emily from the Free Ninjas on, um, which was kind of like. I'm going to say it was a big deal. I mean, it's only a big deal if you're really into those movies, but she'd never spoke spoken publicly about that, her time on that movie, but she's actually uh, like a pretty big screenwriter in Hollywood now. Like she writes on the CSI shows. Um, oh, wow. And, okay. And she's ri- uh, she writes for, uh, there's another show as well. It's, it's evading my memory, but like currently still like big, um, and she actually tried to they she had the rights with the producer to write a free ninjas uh tv show to come out and they were like putting it around different studios and it got beaten out by cobra kai so i mean cobra kai is a great show and i get it so but three there's room for three ninjas in the world the three ninjas tv show Maybe a Disney Plus type thing. Maybe like the children's version of Cobra Kai, maybe. That's exactly it. Because it's a different dynamic. Like Three Ninjas was definitely more for kids, I would say, 11 and under. Whereas Karate Kid was for, I mean, really adults. And I would say going down to maybe, you know, 15, 14 years old. That's a different demographic. I I think that, uh, don't give up on this Emily from Three Ninjas, whose name I don't, really know but i know Rocky loved you (laughs) yes yes i did uh she has given up on it unfortunately but um, but it was it was close it was close um who knows maybe it'll come out again uh one day you just reminded me that two of my other favorite episodes hey do you remember my cousin Vinny and uh and the karate kid they're brilliant episodes as well i hadn't seen the karate kid in so long my cousin Vinny's a show that a movie that i watch whenever it's on i'll watch 10 minutes of it but the karate kid i hadn't seen in so long and it really is rocky for kids like it's really it's really good i was surprised at how much better it was than i remembered it being yeah this is actually a crazy thing to admit but i actually watched the karate kid for the first time during the first lockdown last year and i watched it and then i watched it three times within the same week because i just couldn't get enough of it and then went on to Cobra Kai well watching the other two movies in Cobra Kai and it's outstanding I think Cobra Kai is one of the best shows on TV currently in my opinion like as in in terms of being able to weave in nostalgia with like a dark sense of comedy with keeping the heart in it but keeping it true to the source material but yeah I mean what, what what's your perspective on Cobra Kai I think it's interesting how the show was able to deconstruct the myth of Danielson um while while not like crapping all over it basically it, it, it's able to say you know he was kind of at fault too for some of this stuff and and has valid arguments for that um and I also think that the 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 thing I say about Cobra Kai is you know that moment in Romeo and Juliet where Romeo can could tell Tybalt like hey I just married your cousin but he doesn't and it leads to Tybalt's death that's all of Cobra Kai it's like if you would just say the one thing none of this would be happening but no one wants to talk because everyone's got a macho ego uh and and just it's built in tension I mean literally it's a Shakespearean move to just keep that tension going because we know both sides are kind of right but they're they're just not going to talk to each other 
Uh, and I, I think it's brilliant. I think it's, it's, it's surprisingly um, well done. Like I, when I heard of the project, I was not all that excited. It sounded like a cash grab, but this is like, they had a legit take and they had, uh, they had a, a great story idea at least. And it's, I, I am really surprised with when it comes out, like how quickly I need to absorb it. How, like how fast I need to watch Cobra Kai. Cause it's so good. Yeah, I, I fully agree. I showed it to my wife and she was a bit like dubious about it at first. This was just as our son was born and she loved it so much. We literally finished season three and just started again on the episode one of season one. She's like, we just have to do it again. But it's so funny you say about like the Shakespearean uh, like undertones. My uh, co-host Dom uh, for Ravens, our One Tree Hill podcast, says that all of the time, like about how how simple it would be if the characters just told the other person that piece of information, then none of the other steps would have happened, you know? Right. So. Well, I mean, I see you've got some lost action figures behind you. That was another show. If people would just stop speaking cryptically and just say what was on their mind, they might've gotten off that Island real quick. Do, do you know, that's funny that you say that about lost because I actually have a question in my questions to you about lost because you mentioned Perfect. it once or twice on the podcast. And then, <laughs> and then I got really excited once because when I was like flipping through your like episode list and I saw lost episodes, uh, I, I thought it meant you'd <laughs> lost and I was like yes and then I realized it was episodes that you'd lost because of you know audio malfunction or whatever right um so we're going to come back to lost so okay. um okay but okay so uh the mighty ducks free you did one and two what what do you have any thoughts on free um for, from what I can remember about the series I rem- like I remember going to see that again in theaters and just feeling like the stakes were lower than last time. Last time they were playing for America. This time they're playing to make the varsity team. <laughs> and and I think that the movie honestly suffers because it's just in the wrong order. As I Chris pointed out, um, and I don't remember if he did this on the show or not, but it really should have been like one, three, two, not yeah, you know, not Pee-wee League Olympics varsity team. Because again, who is knocking off an Olympian from the varsity hockey team at their boarding school? Like that's insanity. So <laughs> yeah, so that I remembered um, coming out of Mighty Ducks three being like that wasn't quite the magic of Mighty Ducks two. But from what I've heard, and I haven't seen the third one in a long time. From what I've heard, the third one is actually like very good and probably a better working story than Mighty Ducks two, at least. But I, I haven't seen it in a while. I I'd say I'd mm, I don't know. I, the, the third one for me, it I didn't know about because it was like pre-internet days. I think the third one came out when I was like ten, and uh, but I didn't know that it had come out. Uh, I didn't know it existed, and I saw it in like the the supermarket one day, and I was probably <laughs> at like fourteen, maybe. So maybe I was becoming you know slightly too old for it. But I think the tone of the third one's more like Disney Channel movie rather than like Hollywood movie. And even like the credits and like the opening credits, like they take themselves so seriously in the first two movies. And in the third one, it's it becomes a little bit too like four children, which I know they're all four children. I think the second one has all of the craziness in it, but it's being mm-hmm. treated with so much sincerity that it's like, 
a bit more i don't know you sort of buy into it more i mean i still like the third one yeah i wish i could remember more plot points other than at least two of the kids drop out of high school and i mean when i was a kid (laughs) the idea of dropping out of high school was like you might as well say like you know they became prostitutes like it was just like they dropped out of high school are are you serious how how are they gonna live um and and then I just remember that the coach was really strict and wasn't Emilio Estevez, which was also mm-hmm. like, if you couldn't get him, maybe don't make this movie. Um, <laughs> and then Emilio Estevez shows up, Gordon Bombay shows up and just points out like, he can't be a bad guy. His daughter's in a wheelchair. That's and, it, yeah. <laughs> and even as a kid being like, I don't feel like this, is, that's a false equivalency. I don't, I don't think that argument quite makes sense. Yeah, I think they they paid Emilio Estevez said that he would be in it, but only for like two days of shooting, which equiv- which is the equivalent of about five minutes of screen time right. if Disney funded a movie that he wanted to direct or produce or something like that. Um interesting. He kind of phoned that one in, but yeah. Um you did Home Alone, the first one, but you but you never got to Home Alone too. Um how did you feel about Home Alone Two? We, I believe, said during Home Alone 1 that Home Alone 2 was made the next year. Um, and it is very much, I mean, yes, the stakes are higher because he's not at home. He's in New York, but the plot points are all essentially the same. You know, like the 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 premise is kind of ridiculous. Like, I'm sorry, if I lost my child like that the first time, I'm probably either A, never leaving for Christmas again, or B, the kid is handcuffed to me. You know, like at all They're times. on a leash, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and and I think what we all kind of agreed was like, we could do Home Alone 2, but it's so very similar to Home Alone 1 um, that we would end up just pointing out ways in which it's deficient to Home Alone 1. And we didn't want to do that. So, but I will say too, that I've seen Home Alone 2 more than I've seen Home Alone 1. It's one of those phenomena um, of home, like of cable, where the sequel just gets played. I don't know if the rights are just easier to to attain, but I have seen, you know, home. I've seen Karate Kid two more than I've seen Karate Kid one. I've seen Mighty Ducks two more than Mighty Ducks one. Home Alone two more than you know, and, and on and on to the point where you, you sometimes don't even realize there is an original movie if that if there isn't a two in the title you don't even know that there's sometimes an original movie that it's even based on that it even comes from. Yeah, that's really true. And uh, maybe the same with like the Turtles movies as well. Like, you know, like the early nineties ones. And and with all of those examples, <clears throat> it's like the original is actually the, the better made film and like, right. like Home Alone, the first one and, you know, the Karate Kid and uh, Home Alone. And did I say Home Alone twice? You know, but anyway, the, yeah. uh, <laughs> and but the second one is more fun, like in some regards, like the first one's a bit more serious, but is a more better well-rounded movie. But the second one has more of like the flashier, memorable, you know, the knuckle pucks and things like that. Right. You know? Yeah. I think that, that what happens is whatever worked in the first one, they kind of pimp out like as much as they can. Like yeah. let's, okay. You like, you liked when, Kevin uh, tricked the the robbers with the voice recording of the movie. He's going to trick everyone in this hotel with the same <laughs> actor from a different movie, and and so they they just kind of do that up. And usually that's why the third one in a series is bad because now you're really playing everything out. And it's like that. Yeah, I guess that was you know I thought we kind of went there in the first one, and then 
yeah, okay, someone that worked in the second one, but why are we doing this again in the third one? If you don't have an original take, like, stop doing this. Yeah, nice. Good point. Um, I love, 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 love 90s, mid-90s, late 90s Nicolas Cage. I say it. I can't be shamed by it. I love it. Um, Con Air. He's a vibe. (laughs) He sure was. (laughs) uh con air i wish you'd done con air i mean how do you i mean i know you did face off which i know they're completely different but that you know that's kind of that era of cage i mean two questions how do you feel about nicholas cage in general and then what were your feelings on con air in general i think nicholas cage is like a really tremendous actor sometimes <laughs> sometimes he is so good um and and my favorite Nicolas Cage movie is not considered one of his best. It's probably not even considered a good movie, but um, Matchstick Men love is, is probably, movie. I love Matchstick Men and I love him in Matchstick Men. Yeah. And he's, I mean, you look at performances like that or adaptation, yeah. he's amazing in adaptation. Like it is truly one of the great performances of the 21st century. It really, really is. And, but then he'll make, you know, he, because he makes everything, you know, like every project he says yes to, there are a lot where either he's not interested or he's trying to make himself interested by, by being, I don't know, like Christopher Walken on crack. Like, like I'm just going to yell things. And it's that line didn't need an exclamation point, but I added four. Um, And, and so Nicholas Cage to me, like when he's dialed in on the project, he is one of the best actors that we have. Um, but, but often he is playing down to the level of the movie that he's in because he said yes to a movie that he knew wouldn't, wasn't going to be very good. Con Air is a great movie. It's a perfect late nineties action movie. Um, and I would have loved to have gotten to Con Air at some point. We, it's one of the ones that just, it's not going to, we just didn't get there. We didn't, we didn't cover it, but we covered so many movies, like I said, around it. Face Off is a perfect example. Like once you've done a Nicolas Cage movie from that era, you're going to run out of things to say about Nicolas Cage. Yeah. yeah. Is my, is my general feeling of, of it. Um, but I, I do, it's, it's a good movie. Like th- those, uh, that, that was Jerry Bruckheimer, right? Those, those like late nineties action movies that were very much, inspired by Die Hard, you know, coming 10 years later than Die Hard. I, I mean, I grew up on them. I love those movies. I even love, there is, um, oh, what is it? The movie's called Executive Decision. Uh, yeah. Kurt Russell and like Steven Seagal's on the poster, but doesn't make it out of, I don't, he doesn't make it to the opening credits. It's, it's fantastic. Die yeah. Hard on a Plane. I'm I'm a fan of that one as well. I've the, these those were like the sort of movies that my dad would let me watch at like a young age, but he'd let me watch them because that it's so sort of outrageous, it's not believable. Like you know, right. like, then it's like it's not scary. But like I remember, um, he let me watch Terminator Two, but there was like the one scene that he wouldn't let me watch. Like I had he'd have to I'd have mm. to like close my eyes and he'd mute it, which was like when all like the kids are like melting on like the playground, which I understand. Yeah. Now. It makes sense. You know, I get it. Yeah, that's that's rough. <laughs> but the rest of the film, you know, you've got like Arnie, sh- you know, going around shooting people, but not actually killing anyone, right? Um, right. So, so it's like a bit more 
a bit more forgiving in the 90s and i think a lot of those nicholas cage films fit into that so that that makes perfect sense again showing my sort of age and era here um i grew up on adam sandler movies like uh billy madison happy gilmore um you know those kind of movies were any of them ever in contention like a happy gilmore or billy madison or were they um you know what you don't you're not a fan of those of adam sandler from that era or Oh no, Happy Gilmore is one of the funniest movies. It's always in my top 10. It's one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. I've seen the movie a hundred times. I am not as big a fan of Billy Madison. He was like, I don't know if it was like my mom found it obnoxious. And so that just kind of rubbed off. I'm like, yeah, that is obnoxious. But Happy Gilmore is one of the funniest movies I have ever seen in my life. And God, did we not do Happy Gilmore? I can't believe we didn't, we didn't get to an Adam Sandler we got to start the show back up. I don't, got, think you got... ever, I don't think you ever did an Adam Sandler movie. Wow. You know what? We did Tommy Boy, and that's what I'm thinking of, not Happy Gilmore. Because Tommy Boy is another one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. But yeah, I love um, like probably half of Adam Sandler movies. Like the, I think Happy Gilmore is, like I said, one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. Um, I love Waterboy. And I even like his like later, like his more family-ish stuff like Big Daddy and even some of the stuff he's put out more recently like um the one with Jennifer Aniston just go with it I do you know it's funny you say that uh, I actually have a picture of that here um but the re- the reason is this is a very odd thing to actually come out here which I haven't actually said publicly so an- another like show that we do um on in our podcast is uh called Mad Props where we have you know, props for movies and prop collecting and whatever. And I have Adam Sandler's uh, jacket, shirt and shoes from that movie. It's so random. It is very <laughs> random. That's the, I, like, if you said it was like his his shirt from The Wedding Singer, which is another one that I love, uh, oh, yeah. that would make sense. Like, oh, it's his Van Halen t-shirt. No, it's it's from Just Go With It. It's completely very... non-iconic film in every way, shape and form. It's very which has a great uh Dave Matthews cameo. Yeah. Like my wife and I will um that movie is not all that memorable, but it, we did have a good time watching it. But the the part where Dave Matthews where the waiter is pouring the wine or the water and he's like don't pour over me. Like we <laughs> that's a repeated line in my house. Don't pour over me. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, I, I really enjoy that movie. It's like I have I have films that are like my go to sleep movies where like sure. I can put them on to go to sleep and I don't make it past like the first two minutes. But it's like comforting. It's like a safety blanket. And yes. just go with it is like one of them for me uh, and blended as well. Um, strangely, it's kind of very similar, but um, it's just there. Those... I, call, I call those the uh, Adam Sandler wanted a vacation somewhere <laughs> and he got a studio yes. to pay for it. Yes, exactly. That's what that is. But And that translates off the screen because it's like, it's just him and his friends and you can tell that they're just having a good time. Um, yeah. But it was random. It was on, uh, it was on eBay and it was just this full set um, that, you know, came with all the CO, the COA and all the certificate and everything. And I was like, do you know what? Maybe I do want to walk a mile in Adam Sandler's shoes, literally. Um, I haven't done it yet. My wife finds it repulsive that there's a pair of his shoes in our garage, but there they are. So, 
the time that I got close with a screenplay uh, that, that I almost had a, a, a credit to my name was working with Rob Schneider. Um, no way. And, and it was totally like working through several pass-throughs. Like my friend was a producer and they hired me. And so Rob didn't know me and I didn't know Rob and he lives in LA and I live in Chicago. So um, I would be given notes like through Yahoo mail. That's how long ago this was. And it was like voice recordings where I could hear him talking with the producers about what they, what he wanted this movie to be. And in the middle of it, he gets a phone call and he's talking on the phone and he's like, Hey, Sandman, how's it going? I was like, he's talking to Adam Sandler right now. That's so cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Now in I retrospect, be- it was probably like some guy. He's like, I want you to call and say that you're Adam Sandler. Like, just <laughs> pretend for the middle of this meeting. But no, it was very cool to hear like, like my wife and I like, he's talking to Adam Sandler right there. That's so cool. Yeah, that is so cool. Uh, he, um, Rob Schneider came, one of my wife said the same thing. She has these like comfort movies that like, you know, she goes to sleep by or, you know, she's not feeling well or whatever. And one of hers is Deuce Bigelow. Um, really? Okay. She loves it. Um, and so he came to London to do stand up, and we went and, and watched him in a room that was probably had a hundred people in if that mm. it was very small and he actually he was hilarious um and it really funny live and a lot of it he was talking about his relationship with adam sandler but making it sort of into jokes and saying how uh, adam sandler used to make him like crawl around the room and bark like a dog and stuff <laughs> like that <laughs> sounded when, like- I, when i saw he came to chicago and i was able to meet him i got con some tickets and um we were able to actually like go to dinner afterwards and, and whatnot um and his his stand-up set like he gets all of the movie lines out of the way he's like okay let's do it now like you can do it and he like all of he goes through all of it because he's like it's got to be so frustrating to be rob schneider doing stand-up because you're probably just getting drunken hecklers just yelling you know you can do it at him (laughs) the whole time so he's like let's just do this now and then i can go on to my set and so did, did you get to meet him through this process or anything? I met him, yeah. So so when we when he came to town, he, he was doing stand-up and my my friend who was the producer on that movie that never ended up getting made, um, she got me tickets. She's like, go, you know, he he said, you know, you'd bring your wife and come on down. And afterwards there was like, you know, autograph signing for the the audience. And I introduced myself, like, hey, I'm, I'm Carlos, you know, I'm the one who's working on the screenplay. And he's like, oh, hang out afterwards, you know, we're, go, we're going out for drinks. And we went out to uh, a bar and he, you know, he got like bar food because it was all that was open at like midnight when the show closed down. And it was, uh, it was me and my wife, him and his wife, um, and then the other comedian, like the, the opener and the, the middle for his, uh, for his set, who are guys who, if you've seen like Rob Schneider's like Netflix, like series, there's like an Australian guy on the show. Like that guy was one of his openers. Um, and then there was, oh, there was another comedian who was on SNL back in the day. And I, I can't remember his name now. He did the best Letterman impression. And he did this drunk girl character on the weekend update segment, but uh, he was also there and and i told him because people would shake his hand and be like oh i i loved you know drunk girl and and i came up to him was like i loved your letterman like your letterman was the best and he looked like 
I was the first person who had ever said anything other than drunk girl. He was like, Oh my God, thank you, man. That's so great. Like, I really appreciate it. And I was like, Oh, that, I didn't think I was paying you that big a compliment, but, but okay. That's awesome. I mean, so after you met him, was that like, was it a positive experience where like, did it make you like his movies more or, you know, I mean, it wasn't a miracle uh, meeting him. <laughs> Are you saying no, it would take I, a miracle for you to like his movies? Is that what yeah, you're trying to say? There's a thing is when he appears in movies, I don't mind him. Like he's good in the Beverly Hillbillies movie and he's good in like uh, Home Alone 2 and he's, you know, he's good in Adam Sandler movies. Um, but like, I, I can't get down with Deuce Bigelow. That's just like not a movie for me. But no, I, I enjoy Rob Schneider's performances in a lot of things, but I have not to date like really enjoyed one of his movies, one like a Rob Schneider vehicle. But it's just one of those that's like a comfort film. But uh, but that that's that's awesome. That's a great story. Uh, I'm surprised that never made it onto like, hey, do you remember? Or maybe it was on, was it on one? Maybe I didn't, I hadn't seen the film, so I hadn't heard or. No, I don't think I ever actually brought it up on the ser- on the show, but I do think it was happening. That all was going on in like 2009, between 2009 and 2011. So Chris and Donna were like very familiar with what was going on in my life because we all worked together back then. Uh, so that's probably why I just never made it onto the show. It's because we, it was like common knowledge. And I was kind of, once it didn't happen, I got kind of sick of bringing it up because the story always ends with, and then I didn't make a movie. So, <laughs> and then I continued to work at Starbucks afterwards. Well, I mean, uh, you came close. I mean, that's yeah, way more than, and you know, most people can say. Um, so, I mean, I still think that's a really awesome story. So, I appreciate that. Um, wait. So, what happened to the script now? Is it just does it just live on the computer on a hard drive somewhere? So the the script, um, I have emails where I sent him pages, and I ne- I'm never going to delete those because if he ever makes that movie, I'm going to be like, well, I wrote a lot of that. <laughs> Um, because I was told the project was dead and I get it. Like it it was, it, it, it honestly, like it, it should have died. It it deserved to, um, it was not my idea for a movie. It was Rob's idea for a movie that he just never sat down and wrote. And so I was like the third choice writer for this. And the other two writers who had Hollywood credits, they would write it for like three weeks or four weeks and then they would quit and and I was like, I'm never going to quit. So, like, I don't have a credit. I will write whatever. I even told, I told my friend, I was like, I don't care if it's Deuce Bigelow, Intergalactic Gigolo. Like, I will write this movie. And, um, and I worked on it for about a year. And then it died. And that's fine. And that happens. And then I heard Rob Schneider's episode of Mark Marin, um, two years later, maybe a year later, where Mark asks, asks him at the end, so what are you working on? And he starts talking and it's like the exact movie um, that, that I had worked on. And I was like, I called, I was like, hey, is he actually still doing this? Because I'm due something out of this. And uh, he's like, the producer uh, friend was like, he is definitely saying he's still working on this, but he cannot get the money for it. Like he just can't, he can't get this project funded. So it's just not gonna ever happen. And then it, yeah, just, it never did. Still, still cool. I still think it's cool. So <laughs> it was, I mean, it is, it is, it's, it's an interesting point in my life where I was like, I hung out with Rob Schneider a couple of times. That's like, is he the celebrity I would like gloat about saying I hung out with the most? No, but it, it 
did happen and he is a cool guy and his wife is very nice like she's a sweetheart and I can say that I know that you know personally that my wife and his wife were like they hit it off they were like they were they had a whole conversation going on on their own and at the end of the day like when we were heading back my wife's like wow she's so nice and those are the little details that I'll I'll always know so that's awesome I love it um have you ever seen airheads yes yes I, I really love that movie as well. I mean, that's an Adam yeah. Sandler one, but like, you know, he's, he's not the main protagonist, but, uh, but I always thought that would have been a fun one because they were kind of spoofing Die Hard in a way. Right. That would have been a good, I don't know why we never even, it must've come up in eight years, but we just never, we never saw it. Like we never decided on that one. That was never even like one that was like a finalist for us, even though I guarantee at least two of us, if not all three of us, like that movie. So that's interesting. Yeah, you, you might be pitching the reboot of uh, Hey, Do You Remember? We got we have some work to do. Well, I just have I just have three more, and then we'll move on. Um, Ace Ventura. I know you recorded, but some but the the audio went. I assume that I mean that would have been a massive fan favorite, right? And I, okay, that one was for me probably the moment where. I lost, like, I wouldn't say I lost hope. I I got to the point where I was like, this show is more done than still alive because it was COVID. Um, I was recording in a room and the, the connection was kind of rough. And we were, we had always recorded in the same room, but this time we were on Zoom and, or Skype. And I needed to move to another room because my, my Wi-Fi was just awful in this one room. So I moved to another room and in doing so I like, I held my laptop and I folded the cover down on my laptop, but I didn't close it all the way. It was like resting on my thumb and I walked to the other room and I opened it up and then kept recording. Didn't, you know, I, I didn't do a check of all of my systems before because I never turned off my laptop. And when we got to the end, and in, I mean, the heartbreaking is it was a great episode. We knew it when we were recording it. This was a great episode. We get to the end and I go to export my file. And when, when I had moved rooms, the recording program stopped recording. Mm-hmm. And so I had 15 minutes of a, you know, two and a half hour episode that was so good it was so funny and we had great like what would have been new inside jokes that would have gone forever and i was heartbroken and like not just for you know for the show but like it was my fault i did it and i felt so bad and it was we released episodes on friday and i think that one was recorded like on a monday or a tuesday when we normally recorded friday or saturday and we had like very little time to turn around and come up with something and i was like i think we're not going to (laughs) survive much longer of being locked up in you know like remote recording because of these little things that can like just torpedo an entire episode of your show and so every episode after that I became very like nervous that I wasn't recording like, Oh God, what, you know, what's that? And one time it didn't, it was uh, the Christmas episode. It was um, National Lampoon's Christmas where for whatever reason, the program just stopped recording like for whole chunks. 
And so like, it was just these, like these big strikes of, it just, you just felt like the spirit of at least my spirit. Now I won't, I won't speak for my co-host, but my spirit for recording these remotely was just like huge chunks were being knocked away um, because for whatever reason, technology hated me and didn't want our show, (laughs) didn't want our show to exist. So yeah, that the Ace Ventura episode was so good. It would have been one of the better episodes that we recorded in 2020, for sure. I mean, that that's rough, but at the same time, it's an accident. You know, it's not like you can't you can't blame yourself. It could have happened to anyone, you know. I mean, it, it was a it was a very much a rookie mistake being made in year eight. And that was and I and and my co-hosts they were very like, do not kill yourself over this. Like, you know, it, it's fine, it happens. It could have happened to any of us. And I, on an intellectual level, I know I get that, but like very much like this was my fault. We lost this episode because I moved rooms and I didn't check to see if it was still recording. So yeah, like that, that one will, that's, you know, like when athletes are like, I'll always remember the the shot I didn't make, or I'm always going to remember the time I lost the Ace Ventura episode. Well, I mean, to summarize it though, you love the movie Ace Ventura Yes. Very funny. Very, very funny. Um, and man, I can't even remember what we like, what we pointed out maybe like plot wise or anything, but it's a very funny movie. There are some cringy moments that just don't age well. And that's just, that's just Mm -hmm. the way it is. I mean, that's, that's what we found the most of the show is that like things that we laughed at 20 years ago, things that we laughed at really like 10 years ago, when you go back, um, it's not funny anymore. Like some of that stuff is like, wow, we just, we just kept dumping on whole groups of people and it was just okay. Uh, so I think I, I, I do want to say that I, I think it was the, oh, that's what it was. That's the, again, the elephant in the room. It's very transphobic, that movie. And right. And right that's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and like necessarily so for the plot, um, I but kind of forgot that. that. I haven't seen it for a long time. Um, you kind of just remember the funny faces and voices and stuff. I kind of forgot right. that. Yeah, Einhorn is a man. That's the whole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that all of that was um, when we covered that part. We and and that was another thing. It was like our discussion about that. It it was, I thought, a really like well thought out, well articulated discussion <laughs> that no one will ever hear. And it was like, oh, that's. That's just in you know salt in the wound. I guess something that you like a silver lining from it is that you enjoyed the conversation, so you got to have it. You know, it's not like right. it's uh, completely lost. Like you, the three of you, got to enjoy that. You know, it's just more that you know the listeners didn't get to hear it, but you still, you know, we're still happy you had it. You know, so. <laughs> I think that that was something that always happened with our show is when something would. When, when our social norms from today would conflict with what was ha- going on in that movie or the jokes that were supposed to be hitting in an old title that were maybe gay jokes or, you know, women in the kitchen jokes, things like that. Um, we, I always kind of felt, and I think we, we all felt when we would be having those discussions, we were reaching a point where we were being preachy. And sometimes it was hard to stop because you just wanted to hit home like this is really not okay and here's why and it would sometimes derail an episode um and we would have to get back on track 
And with Ace Ventura, maybe it's because it happens at the end of the episode of the of the movie, but um, it just like it flowed so naturally, and we had already handled that scenario so many times that we were able to like stay away from it being getting too preachy and just being more like this isn't cool. This is why it's not cool. As a scene, here's why this doesn't even work. Technically speaking, like there are people behind her. Why don't they, why haven't they noticed that just blocking wise, it didn't make sense. But um, yeah, it was like the best time we had ever tackled something like that. And you're right. We, I got to have the conversation. So selfishly, ha 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 ha. But (laughs) from, from a podcast content uh, angle, it would have been really nice to release that out but it is what it is. Yeah. And, uh, and it's, it is really important to to touch on those things. I mean, I know it's a different kind of subject matter, but we often do this on one tree Hill in that one tree Hill was, it uh, started in 2004, went to like 2012. So like you said, only, you know, it ended, you know, less than 10 years ago, but it's uh, pretty much an all white cast. It doesn't have uh, any diversity really represented. Um, and there are some problematic things in there that we, we often point out and say, you know, this, this isn't, this isn't right. And, you know, hopefully if this was shot today, that these things would, you know, be ironed out and it would be diverse. And then also the showrunner of one tree Hill was part of the me too movement, not, part of the movement the movement was about him you know yeah, the movement was a yeah um and so there's <laughs> the wrong there, part there's problem yeah exactly and there's like problematic <laughs> things in some of the writing where when you look back at it it becomes a little bit more obvious where suddenly some of these like you know adolescent female characters are in like scantily clawed uh you know clothing for no apparent reason mm. and odd bits of like so it, yeah exactly but it's like it's important to point those things out because we are looking at it from a current day perspective and you've got to continue the dialogue to say that these things aren't okay to ensure that in the future that you know history doesn't repeat itself so and i always respected that about your podcast so i appreciate that yeah i think um that it was important to point it out and it is I will say like, it's getting better. Like there are things that there are 10 years from now, we are going to point to and be like, how are we still making those jokes? But by and large, a lot of that is getting better. So good news. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Well, I have, I have two more on my list. We can kind of group them together. Um, okay. They're a bit more heavier ones, um, but I, I would have enjoyed them still personally. Uh, Goodfellas and Training Day. Ooh, how do you feel yeah. about them? Uh, I think Goodfellas is a perfect movie. Uh, I th- I actually just had this conversation the other day. Goodfellas, I think, is the best mob movie ever made, even though I acknowledge that Godfather 2 might be a better made movie. Uh, Goodfellas is the best movie about the mob. It just it just is. It's perfect. I think it's Martin Scorsese's best movie. Um, and I know people will say Casino, and people will go back even further and say Raging Bull or, or other films from that era of Martin Scorsese. I think... Goodfellas is the end all be all for me. I think he's at the top of his game. And if we had covered that movie, it would have just been me and Chris salivating over camera moves and soundtrack needle drops and, you know, the the end of Layla as all the dead bodies. Like that would have been, it would have been like the Chris Farley show. Like it would have been like, and remember the other good scene with this? Because there's, that movie is perfect. Um, Training Day. We did, so we did an episode of, um, 
our Patreon show off the clock where we did like double features that like that we kind of made ourselves, right? So like, uh, for instance, um, I said the movie uh, A Simple Plan and The Lookout. It's like two crime movies set in the Midwest in the winter and with small towns and it kind of works. Training Day is like the other half of what is my favorite movie of all time, which is Collateral. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael Mann's Collateral. I, that's, I can watch a movie. I do watch that movie three times a year at least. I love that movie. Um, and they're both like a day in the life of two people stuck in a car. And Training Day is like, it, it, is, it goes from the dawn until the next dawn. And, and Collateral is like sunset to dawn. Like you could very much see that these two things are going on in the same world at the same time. Um, I, I love Training Day. I, I, I've never been more scared of a character than, and what a character is going to do than Denzel Washington in the alley with the two guys who were assaulting the girl and he's just like pointing guns back and forth. I'm like, he's going to shoot these guys and he's going to make it look like they shot at him first. Like, I was just like, Oh God, please like, just don't, don't kill everyone. Like, and, and I was very <laughs> nervous in a way that I've never been for a Denzel Washington role. Cause he's usually the hero. He was, I mean, he is really tremendous in that movie. And uh, that would have been a fun movie to cover. Um, I don't know. Did it, I guess it probably did hit the, the 15 year threshold. God, I think it was, was it 2000 maybe? I think it was or 2000. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, that's right. I, I love that movie so much for Denzel. Um, but did, uh, did you know in Collateral, you probably do know if it's like your favorite movie, that uh, Adam Sandler was originally offered the role, uh, Jamie Foxx's role? I did not know that, but I could totally see that. I could Crazy, see that. Right? I could, I could definitely see him being the, the schlubby uh, cab driver because he, when he turns a serious role, he's generally pretty good. Um, yeah, no, I loved Collateral and actually Collateral and um, this is, it, it's kind of similar to Taxi Driver, right? So uh, Taxi Driver was written by a guy who I guess had never like, been to New York. And so he writes his book um, and it's like, it describes like yellow cabs and green cabs and blue cabs and red cabs and each, you know, the colors probably meant something, but in New York, it's just yellow. And so Martin Scorsese gets to that movie and he's like, what are all these different colors? Like, it's just yellow cabs. Like, that's it. Uh, Collateral was written to be set in New York, if I'm not mistaken. And Michael Mann is like, no, this is the LA movie. Like it's, it's about disconnected people. It's about, you know. It's about wide wide expanses between us and our relationships. And like, it has to be set in LA. And so he he makes it there. And it's honestly like, it is kind of the quintessential LA movie for me. I love that movie so much. Yeah, no, that's a great one. Do you listen back to your old podcast back? I have. I haven't since we ended the show, but I have, I, I would do that from time to time because I liked to listen to the moments where I made Chris laugh really hard. Like the end of the little giants episode uh, I bring up, it's like, it's my favorite moment of the show. Like when we're just doing our final thoughts on little giants and I broke into this weird Chicago family guy voice. And he just like, he's like, who is this guy? And I just kept going until he just like exploded with laughter. And I loved moments like that. So I would, I do go back and listen from time to time, but I have not since we ended the show. 
yeah that's awesome I, it's just interesting from like a podcasting perspective because so i edit our podcast and by the time i finish editing it i can't listen to it back um and especially this was that way yeah especially if it's like a few, like even if it's a few weeks old like i can't do it i mean our podcast is um we do about we do roughly about three hours but we we uh hit a schedule we have they come out every tuesdays every single wow. week and it's um it's quite high pressure. It's interesting listening to your last episode um, when you you guys were sort of talking about the process and how you would have done it in seasons and taken breaks and whatever. We, in hindsight, that would have been good to for us to have done it that way also uh, because it can be really high pressure and uh, to sort of get it out, especially when you've got like work on and things. Seasons. Once Serial came out, that podcast Serial, and they only did like eight episodes and like tune in for the next season of Serial. We're like, you can do seasons of this. <laughs> I think we always, I think we kind of feared that we've sort of, um, we've got, we've been really fortunate to have like find, find an audience and which I know is not, it's not common really with podcasting specifically sure. now where there's so many. And we got really lucky that when we put our first episode out, a One Tree Hill fan page on Instagram that has like over 60,000 followers like, uh. re, re, reposted it. And so on the first day we had, you know, X amount of followers and then Amazing. it sort of slowly built and it was kind of, it's just luck really. Um, and then when we've been lucky to have cast members on and then they have a following and, but then it does add to that pressure of, well, when we record on a Tuesday, what if you're not in a good mood on that day and you don't feel <laughs> like being animated or, you know, or you've got real life things going on. It can be really difficult where it can feel like, it's a bit of a performance, you know, but it's like, well, I don't feel like we can stop because if we stop, we feel like we might lose some sure. of the audience, you know? So it is, it's a lot more of a commitment than I think I ever thought it was. Um, and when like listening to you guys, you guys make it sound so easy and effortless. <laughs> Obviously we know it's not, but it's because you guys were, you know, top of the game. I really appreciate that because there were, especially in the last year, there were definitely weeks where, before we would record, it would we, we'd like sign on and we'd all be like, the world is defeating us. And and then we, you know, the show would start and we'd get, and it wasn't an act. We weren't acting excited or, or you know, jovial. We brought that out of each other. But um, I do think that it got harder because the world got harder. It just did. And so I, while I wouldn't say COVID was the reason that we stopped the show, it certainly was a huge obstacle um, just to like, I, I was not motivated to, to, to keep doing this, especially in the early days of COVID because like, I thought the world was ending. Like, it's like, why am I doing, like, why are we watching Godzilla? Like the world's ending. Um, Which in retrospect, perfect movie for that. But uh, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. but uh, yeah, I, I appreciate that, that, you thought we made it look easy because it, it sometimes it was not and and it was never because we didn't like each other it was just always like the outside world was just was just too much sometimes well and you know it's it's funny you saying that um you know like why are we doing this where 
uh, I, especially over this last year, I bet that your podcast has helped people with like mental health, with like not feeling alone, especially people that have had to quarantine on their own, like feeling right. like they're, they're able to listen to something and feel like that there's, there's someone there in the room, even though that there isn't like that, those things are so important. And uh, like, there's times where, you know, if my wife is out or doing something, I'm home alone. I, I, I kind of hate that feeling. So mm-hmm. like having a podcast on and headphones or whatever, it's like, Oh, I'm doing these, you know, chores or doing whatever, but I don't feel like I'm on my own. And I'm sure that you've done that for so many people. So you know it's 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 really important um well i just have i have two things left okay so um what i i asked you to to sort of have a think about this and this is something that we ask our so we have uh people that we have patrons that come on and co-host episodes of us on our ravens podcast and i always ask them what are some of their favorite movies that are bad movies that you love and we've spoken about a lot of them already uh you know some examples of some but what are like a top five in no particular order bad movies that you love okay so uh as you listened to our podcast you know that i am just like a sucker for 90s high school rom-coms i cannot get enough of them i don't know why um (laughs) but and also specifically Freddie Prince Jr. movies. Like I love Freddie Prince Jr. movies. Uh, so there is one that is particularly like just not a good movie uh, called Summer Catch. It's Freddie Prince Jr. as a, uh, he's like the son of a landscaper, but also a minor league baseball player in a town where there's a minor league summer league thing. And it's him and Matthew Lillard, of course, is in the movie, and Brittany Murphy and Jessica Biel. And it's not a good movie, but I love this movie. <laughs> I tell everyone, like, have you ever seen Summer Catch? I'm like, why would I do that? Um, so that that is one. Um, there's another high school rom-com, because that one's more college age, high school rom-com called Get Over It with Mila Kunis, um, Kirsten Dunst, Ben Foster and Cisco of Drew Hill. Um, hey. Yeah. And oh, and Martin Short. And it's basically, it's, it's your pretty standard rom-com stuff where guy likes girl, he joins the school play to be with the girl. And then the rest of the movie kind of emulates the play. And I want to, oh, it's the, the play is a Midsummer Night's Dream, but it's actually a musical that Martin Short's character has written. He's the director of the, of the theater school. And so it's a Midsummer Night's Rockin' Dream or Midsummer Night's Rockin' Eve. That's what it is. And uh, it's a musical to Shakespeare because he thinks he's better than Shakespeare. Um, it's, it's a very charming movie and no one likes it. And I love <laughs> it. Um, there's an, another high school rom-com. This one's in the 20, 20 teens for sure uh, called Premature. It's Groundhog Day kind of meets like John Hughes. And so basically it's this kid who's reliving the same uh, day and it gets raunchy. And it's like, basically the way he repeats the loop is every time he prematurely. (laughs) Okay. Um, And so it's all the different ways he's got to get out of this day. But like, there are some like really good performances. Alan Tudyk is in it. He plays the, uh, the recruiter from Georgetown that he's got an interview with that day. It's, it's funnier than it, than it should be. It's a bad movie. I don't recommend it, but I, I can't, I love it. Um, 
<laughs> I, I can't explain that. Um, I'm also a sucker for like one crazy night type movies, uh, like Collateral, but but more comedy wise. And so these two were kind of kind of tied um, together. They're my last two. Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist, mm-hmm. which I love, but I'm a 37 year old man. Like when I recommend this to my peer group, they're like, that's, I'm not a 13 year old girl. Why would I watch this? I love it. Um, Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. And then there's another movie uh, called The After Party, which is a Netflix movie, which is just about this like young aspiring rapper who's like on his last night before he's going to join military school. And his buddy is his manager and they're trying to get an audition with some producer and they're going to all these different uh, parties and concerts and they're trying to get to this room and it's a one crazy night movie and again it's not great but I I do love it I've seen it several times so those are my five nice I love that and I love that they they pretty much have a consistent theme you know um <laughs> Which is great. I mean, it probably says something about you. I mean, I don't know what that thing is, but I mean, I love it. Yeah. Let's not even interrogate what that thing is. Let's not even go there. I don't know. I don't want to know what it what it says about me. People put in the comments what you think that says about, <laughs> about Carlos. Um, I I wrote I won't go into detail, but I wrote uh, I wrote a quick list. Um, mine would include Conair. Uh, we said that already. Gone in sixty seconds, which is another Nicolas oh, yeah. Cage film. Yeah, yeah. But you know, I'm sure that it's you know to a critic at least it's pretty terrible um one that was a great episode that you did which was it was nostalgic to me because it was like one of my i think maybe my six uh year old like birthday party where we went to like the cinema and then did the classic like mcdonald's afterwards like my friends from school and that was to see the super mario brothers movie i had a feeling that was for a very long time our most popular episode. And we're like, there are so many better movies we've covered, guys. Come on. <laughs> I, I watched it uh, about a year ago, uh, like for the first time since my childhood. And it it is terrible, but it is also perfect in that it just like that perfect 90s nostalgia. Bob Hoskins and oh, I've forgotten the actor's name. He plays Luigi. Like Lozamo? Yes. Luigi? Yes. yes. Uh that they just decided that this was a terrible movie, so they're just gonna get drunk all the way through it. So most <laughs> of their scenes they're just like wasted. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And then my final two, I put Mr. Deeds on there again, another Adam Sandler movie. That is terrible. But again, <laughs> I like it. I don't know, I don't know why. Montaturo like is pretty great in that. I like heat. <laughs> I do not know why. Sneaky sneaky. <laughs> um and then armageddon uh again it's terrible but it makes me cry like every time at the end i honestly it's not a good movie but at the end of that movie if you're not at least watery eyed you have no soul bruce willis is is great in it and he has no real that should have been one he was phoning in but he's it that cast by the way is ridiculous yeah like Owen Wilson, Billy Bob Thornton, Michael Clark Duncan. Like, there, there's just no reason. Steve Buscemi, there's no reason this many great actors should be in this movie, but they are all there. 
it's because they didn't we weren't making superhero movies like we do now or else they would have all been in avengers or something that's it it was basically avengers before avengers um exactly. steve buscemi is so great in it when he sort of loses his mind and he's like just on the, like the meteor and everything he's just like i just wanted a good seat for the end of the world <laughs> and there, there the uh the there's actually the speech in it where bruce willis is trying to convince like the colonel or something to like help him with the bomb and he's like I will make 800 feet. I swear to God, I will. Like that gets me so hyped up. Like I'm ready to be beamed up to a meteor right now. And I will make 800 feet. Like, yeah, it's one of, it's right. Bruce Willis. Uh, Did you ever hear Ben Affleck said, uh, he says it on the, on the commentary. I've just seen a clip of it on YouTube. The Ben Affleck commentary is legendary. Oh, you've seen it. Just for I've heard, like, I, I don't know exactly what you're about to say, but yes, I've heard some of it where he's just like, I said, I said this was like, why would they send drillers up to space? And Michael Bay said, fuck up, Ben. <laughs> That's exactly it. He said, why wouldn't we train astronauts to just to learn how to drill? Surely that's easier than teaching like drillers to be astronauts. And yeah, it was just like, yeah, no, shut, shut the F up or something like that. Like, you're not even sure if like Ben Affleck was like, was he drunk doing the commentary? Because some of this was like very oversharing and it, it, it's very funny. <laughs> i'm glad he's aware of the ridiculousness of that movie yeah i i think i'm one of the minority people that actually really likes ben affleck like i don't i i know that he's like got this reputation and arrogant and whatever whatever but i really like him and do, do you know a film that i really like uh uh boiler room have you seen boiler room he's great in that yes so good he's great like his one scene he's so good in that yeah that's yes. kind of like a, a bit of an underrated film absolutely and vin diesel is in that and and completely forgotten performance and the um and i'm the only one who noticed it in the theater in the movie the dark knight the scene where the joker crashes that helicopter and and gets it's the whole the truck sequence and all of that um the one the one guy who's writing next to he doesn't realize he's next to commissioner gordon but it's like oh that is not good okay that's not good uh that guy's in boiler room and i knew him from boiler room and i was like you got like he had a big role in boiler room and you got him to be in one scene of the dark night acting i guess right yeah <laughs> and i was the only one I was like it's from boiler room they're like i don't know that movie it's like okay then i guess just me it's a really good movie i think it's uh i i, uh, I really like that movie yeah lost so you said were you a fan of lost like did you see Absolutely. it throughout like did you stick to it from beginning to end i think i joined up late um because it was a thing where like if you didn't see it the first season you got some catching up to do and it wasn't on demand back then so um i joined later but when i got in i got all the way in i was reading the Jeff Jensen EW 10 page articles about what book was behind Sawyer and what that could mean. I was very in on loss. And I'm actually to this day, one of the only people I know who will defend the finale and say like, that was a good finale. And There's two now. Cause I, I, right. I think people didn't understand it if I'm being honest. And I think people then get embarrassed about the fact that they didn't understand it. So they don't want to admit it. I, but I think yes. the ending was pretty much perfect. It ended it how yes. it needed to end. I agree. And, and the people who are like, I hate when shows just ask so many questions and then they don't answer them. I do too. 
Lost was not one of those shows. Like there are answers for almost every question they proposed on that show. So no, like <laughs> I won't, I, I lost had, you know, why was there a polar bear? Because the Dharma initiative was doing experiments on the Island and they required a polar bear. Like that's it. You don't need to know if the polar bear can read minds or anything. It just, you know, it's just, it is, is what it is. They explain the smoke monster. It may not have been a satisfactory explanation uh, because it goes back to what ancient Greek, like, you know, people that you only see once, but they do, they do give you that. So while lost had its problems, I don't think unanswered questions was, was a big one. And I do think it gets a bad rap for that. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think that, uh, the writers said that they were trying to write it to be more that you're invested in the characters and that, that yeah, there's this stuff happening and questions and whatever, but that's just secondary. The important part is that all these people are, you know, lost as people and it's about their journey. <gasps> yeah, who knew? Who knew? Um, they you know. weren't just lost on the island? <laughs> <laughs> Two they were ways. also lost emotionally? Wow multi-dimensional um now you're but, gonna tell me the walking dead is actually a reference to the, the survivors no that's too far but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah but i mean i think that the the acting performances in it are really amazing as well um i think yes. i don't understand why there's not the you know there's like uh all the fanfare and everything for so many shows from that era and before but lost is kind of a bit forgotten like where I, I feel like it helped dawn a new era of television where people were like paying more attention and actually like wow okay long form t- i mean obviously there's is examples from before and the sopranos and all these kind of things but it's like hey sure. tv can be as good if not better in some ways than movies and uh yeah i think lost is an example of that I think the issue with Lost is that it was never able to be replicated and they tried. I mean, there were so many Lost-like shows, particularly made by ABC. I mean, uh, Flash Forward was a show that like was awful and it was just all about this mystery and I didn't care about the mystery and I didn't care about the characters and they forgot to make good characters. And uh, there was another one that ran in the summers on NBC, about a bunch of strangers who were like in this abandoned town and awful, I mean, awful show. And they, they tried to recreate the mystery box TV show, forgetting that what made lost good was that you cared about the characters and you cared about if they succeeded or not. And you never got a character as good as Locke on any one of those knockoff shows. You never, I mean, and if you didn't get a, a character as good as Locke, you didn't get a character as good as like Ben you know, Ben Linus, you'd like, they just forgot that aspect. And that happens. I mean, Mad Men was another one where when that show hit and you had a bunch of shows set in the sixties, but it's like, that wasn't what made Mad Men great. Like, yes, it's a part of it, but that's not it. That's not why the show was great. Loss is the same way. Like it wasn't the mystery that made it great. It might've been the mystery that kept us coming back for sure. But that was only at the beginning by the end, like it was because I cared about Jack, who I did not think I would care about. Like, I don't tend to care about, you know, the Cyclops of the X-Men you know, or the Leonardo of the, of the Ninja Turtles. And that's, and that's what Jack is. And Lost just did such a good job of painting out like so many great characters. Um, but it, it was not able to be replicated. And quickly after Lost, we start switching to like 13 episode seasons of things. And 
you could never get a 23 episode, 22 episode series like Lost ever again. Like that's, it's got to be eight to 13 episodes and out and that's it. Yeah, that's true. I haven't really considered that. It's kind of, yeah, kind of ended like there. I mean, it's kind of Lost and Prison Break were kind of like the two big ones, weren't they? And then that kind of, yeah, yeah crazy okay my last question final one uh why was there never a hey do you remember hoodie or t-shirt just with the logo like that would that why has that never happened like as in we just overthink it and make make merch that didn't have just the logo on it i don't know why we never we never you know i guess because that kind of speaks to how we never really saw it as uh, a, a money thing, I guess. Like that, that, that we weren't thinking about it on that angle. Um, what well, I mean, we did do the Patreon and we did have some merch, but the merch was really more like because fans kept asking us to make merch, and we're like, okay, I mean, we can do that, and um, and we're creative people. And Chris came up with all of those designs, and um, and the Patreon was like we you know people were literally asking us how they could give us money <laughs> and and it like and it sounds very vulgar and it was like like we weren't ever going to do something like here's our patreon and just donate like we're going to give you a whole other show and we're going to give you all of this other stuff because that show is always going to be our free thing and here's here's something that we will sell to you but it, you know you won't miss out on the hey do you remember experience by by if you're not a patreon our patron um so the answer is we never considered making simple hey do you remember merch because it just was never like a cash grab for us it was never like about about making man man just make some now i was on the patreon as a bobo nasty style uh <laughs> patreon which for people that know uh you know your podcast they understand that reference and if you why know, you know it. If you know, you know, yeah. <laughs> the content's so good. Like we want to, you know, sort of show our appreciation or to contribute towards it because it's we're enjoying it, you know, and 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 it's great. But so I wanted one like a t-shirt with the hey do you remember thing on or a hoodie or something to also sort of give into it. But then also I like to kind of have something from something that I enjoy mm. clearly, and <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I bought the twenty seventh letter productions t-shirt just because it was like well that's the closest thing that's like got the logo on um sure but i believe it needs to happen and there's still <laughs> time to put just the hate like small you know let, let me help you design it just like a little like this just like a little logo here in the side that's all we need just the podcast <laughs> logo throw it on there run it by run it by chris run it by donna <laughs> I'll run it by chris i'll see just, what he says even if you just put it on for five minutes and let me know when them five minutes are so i can just buy like five and just be done like can we just do that at least our five minute sale i'll i will let you know first i'll let you know before it happens excellent i'll be like eagerly waiting by the computer thank you so much for your time um i've really really enjoyed this um uh, and Again, to anyone that that has has never you know embarked in down the Hey Do You Remember podcast pathway, then please do. The links will be below. Uh, I can't recommend it enough. I'm sure you can hear through this episode, you know how how much I've enjoyed it. Um, and then also, uh, you know, let's 
support Carlos in your in your new new podcast and you know anything else that you have coming out I mean where can people you know follow you and find you on social media and all of that stuff uh you can find me most frequently on Twitter uh and that's at Carlos Freites JR on Twitter um Freites is F-R-E-Y-T-E-S it's a very specific last name if you ever see anyone with that last name they're related to me um and yeah the the other podcast that i'm currently uh, on is uh the racial draft podcast and we're finishing up season two right now and we're putting out content every sunday so every monday morning uh stuff will come out um and i i am just so flattered to have been a guest on this show and and this was so much fun Uh, a pleasure well all of those links will be below and uh yeah thank you i'm telling you you blow this game and nobody makes a team next year